the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So let me give you our mission and our objectives. Our mission to do this is local and global. So what I'm about to tell you is to try to do this here, but also anywhere in the world we can, through our missionaries and through our own people going on a mission trip. So here it is. International wants to help non-Christians come to faith alone in Jesus Christ and to grow to become fully obedient worshipers of God. As simple as that. Now, we put down what we call five objectives. And this is where you can take out your outline because I'm going to give you these five. These five fit into what I just stated, but a little bit longer. It fits into the IBC statement, but it's a little bit more objective so you can see it. It fits into our bigger mission statement, but it's still there for you to see. Easy to remember, so here they are. First of all, we want to exalt our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we do is to bring glory and honor unto Him. Secondly, and they're going to go quickly now. Secondly, we want to encourage participation in God's family. While we do strongly recommend and encourage membership, I didn't put that down there because I know some people can become a member of a church and never really be a member of God's forever family. They can be a member of a church as a name on a roster, but they're not a participating uh, person in the body to help grow. So we call it encouraged participation in God's family. So membership is in there, but I want you to know it's more than that. It's encouraged participation. The next is edified and maturity. We are wanting you to grow. So if you look at our ministries, you'll find that majority of what we do here is to help you grow in the Lord. And when I say you, it would be you and your family and kids. Number four is to equip you for ministry. This one is a little different in the sense that most churches leave this out of their purpose statement. I think this is here because... I don't know how great of a leader I am. I I got a lot to learn, believe me. But I really have a, a, a passion for leadership And because of that, I want to make sure we're learning how to do leadership because we can do all of this stuff, but if people attend a ministry, but they never say, I'll be the point man because they don't know how to lead a ministry, you'll never have a ministry launched or sustainable because you don't have a person. Maybe I could say it more practically. Hope it's not funny, but it's still true. If you have too many heads on a body, you have a monster. If you have no head on a body, you have a dead body. So every organization needs at least one leader. So we want to equip you to do that. And the last one is evangelize the world. And of course, we believe we begin right here in our sanctuary on Sunday morning. And from here we go global. All right. So we want to evangelize the world. And that's our real desire to do that. Now, I'm not going to unpack each one of those. But I want to say today, my emphasis, though, is involvement in ministry. Now, as I speak on the issue of involvement in ministry... If you talk to the majority of people that are in churches today, they would then say that an active member does two things. An active member attends church or some church-related function regularly, 
And number two, they give money to some extent on somewhat of a regular basis. So active means I attend and I give. Now, first of all, I want to tell you that that is great. If you just attend and don't give, it won't help. If you give but don't attend, you won't grow or help others to grow by your involvement. On the other hand, just attending and giving, if you will, step back with me for just a moment. If everybody logically embraced that as the foundational principle of church work, it would, church would never exist. We would never function. Because if we all sat here, who would speak? Someone's got to. Who's going to sing? Someone's got to. Who's got to prepare the bulletin? Someone's got to. If all we did was give money, okay, let's say that uh, we just attended and gave money. We can hire other people to do it. But it still requires someone else that says, I'll even do it for the money. Now, I hope that's not why you're here and why you serve. I don't think it is. We're doing it because our payment is going to be at the judgment seat of Christ when God looks at our heart for our reason and our faithfulness. And we did out of love and his power, but he will reward us later rather than now. So I don't know where you are in your active membership role, but what I would like you to do is to think in terms, what can I do? Whatever my age is, whatever my spiritual gift is, my heart is, my, adi- my abilities are, my personality, my experience, what can I do to go up a little bit more than just attending? And what could I do a little bit more than just giving? Now, if you're so far behind all of this, maybe some of you, your first step is going to be, I'm going to be here more than I've ever been before. I'm going to be more regular. And for you, that's your first step toward ministry because even your body here encourages me and a whole lot of others. And maybe you're giving nothing and maybe your first step is I'm going to give or maybe give a little bit more. Now, listen, guests that are here, listen, listen. Our church is doing well financially because most of our people have owned what they're learning today from the Bible. God will always sustain his work if it's done godly unto him in his timing. The reason we give is so that when we give, it causes us to go to the Lord and say, thank you for what you've done to us. We're giving back to you, not because you need the money, Lord, but because you've done something for me. And now we're going to trust you to replace what we've just given. So it builds a relationship upward. And then those who receive the money will wisely invest the money in bringing glory to him through building up the body and reaching lost souls. However... I want to take all of us because we are at a level to go up a little bit higher now. What can we do a little bit more than just attending? And what can we do to give a little bit more than we have before? Because we want to grow. We want to stretch. Now, it's pretty much the responsibility of the spiritual leaders of the church. And maybe I should say those that are maybe even appointed to do a couple of things. They need to enlist you in ministry. They need to um, equip you for ministry. And then hopefully very soon, because you've been equipped, unleash you to do ministry. Maybe another way to say that is that we're to discover you, then help you discover your own gift, and then to deploy you to do other things for him. So again, our job is to help you to get more involved in ministry. Now, you see an outline that looks pretty ambitious in front of you, but it's really not. They're going to go very quickly now. Most of this you already know, but I wanted you to know that there is a strong biblical basis for this message today. If you will, let's go to point number one, our mission for ministering to others. Number one is every minister is to be a believer. I'm going to assume now that you are saying as a Christian now that I want to get involved in ministry. So I put down in in quotes there, minister. It might help you for those of you that are on the outside looking in. When you see minister, we're not looking for reverend so-and-so. We're not looking for pastor so-and-so. The word minister primarily means to be a servant. Sometimes it's referred to as even as a deacon, a deacon serves, but serving is the idea. So every servant needs to be a believer. 
So let me go back full circle. We're not asking those who don't know Christ as Savior to serve, 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 hoping they might do enough so they can get to heaven. No, in order for you to do that, you need to know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. If you will look, look at the verse that I've left for you there at the top of your sheet. Here's what it says so you can clearly know that your good works won't get you in any way into heaven. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are now his workmanship. We are, once we trusted Christ. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now let me clarify a little phrase that I said there. I said, once we trusted Christ. Now we already are his workmanship way before we've trusted Christ. But now once we've trusted Christ, we're to do these good works before we were ordained in it. We were ordained before in those good works. But we do it once we've trusted Christ as Savior. So here's my question to you, and I'd like you to raise your hand. How many of you are comfortable enough to raise your hand now to say, just by an uplifted hand, I know I'm going to heaven because I placed my faith alone in Christ and it wasn't by my good deeds that will get me to heaven. Would you raise your hand? Okay. Now that would say that all of us, just from this one point right here, we have to be a believer. You have satisfied qualification number one out of a list of qualifications to be involved in ministry. Here's number two. Every believer is to be committed to the Lord. Every believer is to be committed to the Lord. This is so huge that this in itself deserves an entire message. Because this point that I'm about to make, I think intellectually we know this. But I think where we violate this point is we forget to go from the intellectual because we hear so much about ministries and signing people up and getting involved that pretty soon we get and we acquaint that if I'm working for God, that must mean I've committed myself to the Lord. I guess maybe being a pastor for over 30 years, I have now found and tried to repair the broken people and relationships of those who think just getting more involved means they are now committed to the Lord. That's why two years ago we've emphasized a new emphasis here, which is our intimacy with the Lord fuels our outreach for the Lord. The true Christian who commits himself totally to the Lord, that we're saying he is the Lord of my life now. Once we really know that, that then fuels us to make the right choices of getting involved in ministry, sometimes getting more involved in ministry or at least knowing what ministries we need to put in a priority and back away from because we're doing it unto Him. So the key thing is, is are you really surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? And one way that's defined afterwards is what am I going to do for the Lord by my character and by my commitment to serve others. So think about that with me, if you will. Let me give you Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The first one says, oh, so and so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that tells you that you have to be a believer. The rest of verse 1 and 2 says this, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? It almost sounds like the writer of the song that Annie and Joanna sung this morning was taken right from this portion of Scripture. There's nothing we could do enough to make up for what he has done for us. In doing some research about this, I came across a writing by a gentleman by the name of John Calvin. Do you remember who John Calvin is? He is one of the, the guys that might be, we might say, launching the Reformation. Here's what John Calvin said. By bodies, referring to Paul in that passage, he, the Apostle Paul, means not only are we to sacrifice our skin and bones, but the totality of which we are composed. 
He adopted this word that he might more fully designate that all we are for the members of the body are the instruments by which we carry out our purposes. In other words, we give him every ounce of who we are, our bodies, our heart, our soul, our mind. We give it all to him. Now, there's another word, and it was sung this morning as well. The word was the word sacrifice. I'm going to dip my arrow in honey right now. You, and I, before I shoot it, I want you to know that by getting involved in ministry, you'll never, ever, ever really find the time to do ministry. It's always going to be a trade-off. And it seems like the more you get involved in ministry and the more you want to do ministry, yea, sometimes the more mature you are, you begin now to struggle with, where do I draw the line? Well, I have to take all of us back to that there is going to be a sacrifice. Now, the point is, what do I sacrifice? I hope it's not going to be your health, although sometimes it might be that. Think of our missionaries. It might be the sacrifice of some other events that you're involved with that might cause you some disappointment because now you're not going to do them so you can do more ministry over here. That could be a sacrifice. I'm not going to minimize it. It might be something that's a benign, but to you it's a sacrifice because it's emotional attachment. You've had in that for many years. I don't know what it is. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying think in terms when you do a trade-off for some of you emotionally, when you go from this to that, when you go from good to great, there is going to be that little bit of a sacrifice. So I just want you to be prepared that for the stepping into that could be it. Some of you, the sacrifice might be, okay, I can do it, I can do this, but now I don't know what I'm going to get involved with. It's scary, I might fail in this, I don't know if I can pull it off, what will people think of me, I might make mistakes. So what you might be sacrificing for the moment might be what you think is some self-esteem and some fears to say, Lord, I can't do this. It's a sacrifice, I can't do this. But Lord, you can do this, therefore I will do this in your power. Now, as I read through this, I thought about what missionaries gave some of their greatest sacrifices. And you have your favorite missionaries, and I have mine. But I picked one who died in the jungle. His name was David Livingston, and here's what he wrote in his journal. People talk of the sacrifice I made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called sacrifice, which is simply paid back as a small part of the great debt owing to our God, which we could never repay? Is that sacrifice? which brings its own reward of healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with such a word, sacrifice, such a view and such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then where the foregoing of the common conveniences and the charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in us and for us. I never made a sacrifice going to Africa. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for me. And so I look at that and say, what sacrifice could I give? It's not. Number three, every believer is a minister. So the first thing is I need to be a believer. The second thing I need to do is keep my eyes on the Lord and I surrender to him. Now, every believer is a person involved in ministry. I've given you a number of verses there. You certainly can take your time to read through those, but what you're going to read 
is not only the different kind of gifts that God has given, but he's given the purpose that everybody is needed in the body of Christ and that everybody works together so that we can become a healthy body. And so the idea is every, minister, every believer is a minister and everybody needs to be involved in some measure. I picked this phrase up from someone else and it really spoke to me. And I think it might speak to some of you that might feel very inadequate, might feel like I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't preach and I can't sing and I can't teach and I can't write and I can't do computers and I can't, I can't, I can't. I, I, there's no putting down of that. There's, there's a lot of things I can't do. I can't sing like the gals and guys up here singing. I can't play the piano, barely play the guitar. I'm not making no jokes. I, I'm not talented that way. I know what I can do. See, here's the phrase. I can't do some things, but I can do some things. You might want to write that down. I can't do some things, but I can do some things. Now, the point of the matter is, is to say, Lord, I want to do those some things unto you. And so therefore, reveal to me how you wired me, what is available to me at this season in my life, and what can I, by faith, sacrifice and stretch to. And all you've got to do is take that between you and the Lord, and it'll happen for you. I can't do some things. You're right, I can't. So why try? But I can do some things, and in those things, that's my sweet spot. And I will serve to the best of my ability for His glory. And number four, and finally is this, is that every believer is the following. Now, if you'll notice, it's not so much doing here. Every believer, and I want you to see now how wonderfully designed by God you are. So here we are. Every believer is created for ministry. I want you to look for a moment here, if you will. Would you look to the people around you in this room? Can you do that? It's okay. Look at the people around you. Look at the person taking notes. Look at the person scratching their head, rubbing their eyes, sleeping in the corner. Just look, look at the people around Remember how many hands a few moments ago I said, do you know Christ is your Savior? Raise your hand. All these hands went up. What they just did is they raised their hand and I could have attached to that, I am created to do ministry. So therefore, every person should be involved in some ministry somewhere based on some of that parameter I gave you at the very beginning of the message and you know where you'll fit with that. Next, you're saved for ministry. You're not just saved so you have fire insurance. You're saved to reach out to others. You're gifted for ministry. You're authorized by the Lord to do ministry. In other words, he said to do ministry. You're commanded to do it, so it's not a choice with him. God calls all believers to minister in the church. We're all drafted. There are no volunteers. Remember what Jesus said in John 15? He says, you have not, or you have, um, not sought me, but I've sought you, and I've ordained you that you bring forth more fruit. So he went after us to do this. And then it says, we're prepared for ministry. Now, I don't know. We are prepared in the sense we live in a free country. We are prepared that we all have Bibles and access to Scripture. We all are prepared in the sense that there are on this island churches with leaders who will prepare you and equip you to do so. There are opportunities. Now, the only thing about the, the missing part is, will we take advantage of what God sovereignly has brought to us by His grace to get prepared to do ministry? And then every believer is needed to minister. I need you to minister. You need me to minister. We all need each other. Everybody in this church needs something out of each of us to do for the glory of God. Now, this is not to put more work on you. It's just for you to pause for a moment and say, Lord, let me just take my breath. Am I doing what I should be doing? Am I doing it as much as I should be doing? Should I be doing something else? Should I pull back? Should I now see where I'm wanted here? And am I doing all that you would have me to do? There's another phrase I'd like you to write down in your margin that will help you now to keep this in the balance. Am I now going to serve the work of the Lord or will I now serve the Lord of the work? 
You need to write that down in every moment, or excuse me, every morning that you begin your day and you're going to be facing a day to serve the Lord. You want to look at that and say, am I serving the work of the Lord or am I going to serve the Lord of the work today? I've got to keep my eyes on the Lord and I need to remember for whom I'm doing this right here. And that will give you the juice to stay into whatever you're going through because let me tell you, ministry and the Lord's thing is still W-O-R-K. What is it? It's work. Even Paul said, I preached and I taught. I toiled to the point of weariness, which means he was so tired from his labor that he could barely get his head off the pillow. And yet he said, in spite of all of that, he said, I did it with the energy that God gave to me. So physically, it'll be exhausting. Spiritually, it'll be invigorating when you do it for him. Now, for some of you that are still struggling with the things you're involved in right now, and maybe your attitude about it, let me give you this that's helped me, and we will bring this now to a close. This will be the last. I picked this up from somewhere. The author is unknown. I, I don't know where it came from. It says, job or ministry? Some people have a job in the church. Others involve themselves in a ministry. What's the difference? And here's the difference. If you're doing it just because no one else will, it's a job. If you're doing it to serve the Lord, it's a ministry. If you quit because somebody criticized you, then it was a job. If you keep on serving joyfully, then it's a ministry. If you'll do it only as long as it does not interfere with your other activities, it's a job. If you're committed to staying with it, even when it means letting go of other things, it's a ministry. Now, you've got to take that in the proper balance context. If you quit because no one praised you or thanked you, it was a job. If you stay with it, even though nobody recognizes your efforts, except the Lord, it is a ministry. It's hard to get excited about a job, but it's almost impossible not to be excited about a ministry. If, you, if your concern is success, it's a job. If your concern is faithfulness, it's a ministry. On average, church is filled with people doing jobs, but a great and growing church is filled with people involved in ministry. If God calls you to a ministry, don't treat it like a job. If you have a job, give it up and find a ministry. God does not want us feeling stuck with a job, but excited and faithful to Him in ministry. Well, my folks, my friends, this has impacted me in a big way. And I hope you know how much I love you and do not think that I'm in any way judging any of you. All I'd like you to do is just humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, you led me into this fellowship. This church wants to bring glory to you through its purposes. What purpose do you want me to help fulfill here? Because you have wired me in such a way. Give me wisdom to see where I'm at in my season of life for the glory of God. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you just take a moment right now and just say to the Lord this, and I hope you can do it authentically. Can you say, Lord, I thank you for this message today because I needed to hear a little bit about where I'm at with serving you in ministry as a believer in Christ. Thank you for causing me to pause for a moment and remind me how important it is for me to use my time wisely in all the different roles that you have called me into already. And so, Lord, this has now caused me an opportunity to go deep with you and to really sense where am I and where should I be. And I thank you that I am in a church where that I have the freedom to be able to discover that and then to live it out. And so, Lord, now I pray for our people here that if there is any that haven't yet trusted you as Savior, that they would realize that 
ministry will, them doing it won't get them into heaven. But it's really ministry in some measure that brought the message of salvation to them. And so they can celebrate the ministry and mission of other people. And thank you, Father, for that. But my heart's desire is that they would now, today, at this very instant, call upon you as the Lord who died again, realizing that we're all sinners and we all need a Savior and you're the only Savior. And by faith alone in you, receive your forgiveness, apart from any good deeds to get into heaven or to stay in your family, that they're locked in by your grace because of the blood that you shed for them through your death and resurrection. Now, Father, are those of us that are in position to evaluate what ministries we should have, work with the people to mentor them and work with them. Give us wisdom so that we're doing just what you want us to do. May we never try to copy other ministry, but only learn from what others might be doing and then truly sense, where are you taking us, Lord, because you are the great shepherd of this flock. And then, Lord, I ask one more time that our people would remember the everlasting promise that you had made to them that are involved in ministry when you said that you are not unrighteous to forget the labor of love that our people have shown one toward another and that they will be rewarded in due time. So let us never be weary in well-doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.